Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. Okay, I want to talk to you about Mint Mobile. Think about how much money you spend every month for wireless. Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save you money this year on anything. It's the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. It makes you maximize your savings with plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with a limited talk and text. High-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Uh, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep the same phone number. You choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data you never use. To get your new wireless plan for 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Donnie. If you have any wireless, and we all have it, go check out Mint because you can save a lot of money. We hung around together a lot, which doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. You know, you work with someone. So, and then you go home. Yeah. You're yeah. friends with them. You're cordial. See you, see you Monday. Yeah. But we were like going places, hanging out, doing appearances, traveling together. And I think you could see that, you know, like Michael Imperioli always says, it was kind of like going down to the corner, hanging out with your friends, you know, yeah. when you went to work. It was like you look forward to it, you know. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and this is a show uh, dedicated to a simple premise that um, everything, everything, everybody is a brand today. Uh, every product, every company, uh, every institution, every religion, every political party, every celebrity, every athlete. Uh, look, even you, uh, if you're listening, your brand, if you've got a Facebook page or an Instagram page and you put images and statements out about yourself, that's your value system and that's your brand. So, uh, what we like to do on the show is two things. First, we go through what we call our brands of the week. And these are the brands that, that are kind of shaping what's going on and shaping the zeitgeist. And we go, which brands are up, which brands are down. Uh, and then we do a big interview about some of his own personal brand. And today we have Steve Sharippa, Steve of The Sopranos, uh, a fantastic guy, a funny guy, a comedian, actor, best known for The Sopranos. We're going to talk a lot of Sopranos with him today and a bunch of other stuff. But let's first get to our brands of the week. First brand week, big brand down for Donald Trump. Uh, horrible, horrible week. Um, he was kind of 0 for 3 in high-profile court cases. Um, he basically first, uh, they reinstated uh, him as defendant in D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine's lawsuit against funds for the 2017 organization that were misused. Supreme Court judge in New York ordered Trump as well as his children, Ivanka and Donald Trump Jr., to sit for testimony in her civil probe. Perhaps the most significant was the judge's refusal to dismiss several civil lawsuits filed against Trump for his alleged role uh, in the January 6th U.S. Capitol, judge's re refusal to dismiss in, the, in this U.S. Capitol uh, January 6th CAC. So 0 for 3, the week before, his accounting firm uh, disavowed their financial terms for the last week. So it's not been a good seven, eight, nine days for Donald Trump. So it's certainly a brand down right there. 
A brand will see, a brand maybe, for what's called Truth Social. He's, his new Truth Social app is set for release uh, this week. Um, it's basically a new social media venture because obviously he's been banned from uh, Twitter and Facebook. And uh, it's a business venture that was set up with Devin Nunes, you know, the great, I say it facetiously, Devin Nunes, uh, the Trump Media and Technology Group behind Truth and Social. And they see themselves as champions of free speech and hope to draw users who feel their views are suppressed on platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. You've had things like Parler and Getter out there have not been successful. So I'm going to predict a pretty quick brand down for this, but uh, we, will, we will be watching. Also, brand down for Mike Lindell, the pillow guy. Um, he urged Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger, of course, the attorney general, uh, the Georgia secretary of state, to be put in prison uh, as he delivered dozens of boxes containing thousands of affidavits to Georgia's Capitol on Friday, urging a forensic audit of the state's 2020 election. Um, under the leadership of Rasselberg, a Republican who backed Trump's 2020 election, multiple recounts and a forensic audit of voting machines determined no widespread fraud or malfeasance. But, mal- but uh, Mike Lindell says he should put him in jail and he's got the proof. Brand down for um, uh, conservative commentator Candace Owens. Uh, Candace Owens calls for the U.S. invasion of Canada to deal with the tyrannical reign of Justin Trudeau Castro. Um, Owens argued the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has fundamentally declared himself a dictator and is waging war on innocent Canadian protesters, those who have supported them financially. Um, He's invoked emergency powers at the beginning of the week to disperse crowds or blocking hundreds of of arrests, moving vehicles. He has put in a a mask mandate and there's all kinds of protests against that and he was breaking up the protests and I guess Candace Owens thinks we should invade Canada because of that. Way to go, Candace. Uh, Brand down for House Democrats. And this is something that's not going to point well for uh, 2022 midterms. Democrats hit a 30-year high for House retirements. Number of House Democrats not seeking re-election this year has hit a 30-year high. Uh, That's that's really incredible when you think about it. That's really, it marks just the third time since 1970 that either party has seen at least 30 retirements in a single cycle. And, you know, you can look at it that a lot of Democrats are looking at, at their races and going, you know, this doesn't look good. I don't, most don't retire when they think they're about to win. Now, I'm not saying every one of these, a lot of these could be pure age or for personal reasons. But when you have a, the biggest amount retiring, or one of the biggest amounts retiring in history, certainly does not bode well for the Democrats in the House. Brand up for work from home workers. 61% of people uh, working from home are doing so because they want to, even though their office is open. So it's no longer because of COVID. It's like they wanted, they've got, they got a taste of it. So you're talking about almost two thirds. It's a reversal of October, 2020, when 64% of people were working from home because their office was closed and 36 were doing out of preference. Uh, and another stat, 78% of people mostly working from home want to continue doing so after the pandemic, up from 64%. So this is going to be interesting for businesses. And look, why wouldn't people want to work at home? I mean, one of the reasons is childcare, but, and there's so many other reasons. It's easier, you take out a commute. You can, you know, work in your shorts. You can use nobody looking over your shoulder as you're working. I, I think businesses suffer though. I mean, I think hybrids will be obviously the way of the future. Some people working at home, some people in an office, but somebody who's run a business and run a business where the ecosystem of the office was really important to the culture. I think uh, people miss out on a lot, particularly young people. Uh, if I was running a company today, I would, uh, unless I was going to lose all my employees, I would say, guys, you got to get back in the office. And I, I know at one point, I think it was the CEO of, of uh, Morgan Stanley said, you know, if you're okay enough, you feel comfortable enough going to a restaurant, you can come to the office. So 
It's going to be hard to put that toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, brand up for Gen Z LGBTQ community. This is amazing. A Gallup released last Thursday has a remarkable number of it. One in five Gen Z adults identified as LGBTQ. LGBTQ. I always have a hard time saying that. Um, that's it. Basically, what's happening is that with this happening in JC, it's with Gen Z, it's not going to be too long between 10 to 15% of the adult population are going to be uh, share, are going to be part of this population. And we're seeing that basically we could go up to 20% of people who identify themselves like that in years to come, not too distant future. So Gen Z is leading the way. LGBTQ, still a minority, but a growing minority. Uh, and it's just a good thing. It's a good thing because basically the stats were always there. You just didn't have the freedom for people to come out. So uh, it's only a good thing there. Brand down for Tesla and Tesla CEO Elon Musk. Um, Elon Musk tweeted something pretty despicable. In the early hours last Thursday, Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk tweeted a meme that compared Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau with Adolf Hitler, okay? And the reason was um, because uh, Trudeau put it on uh, a, uh, a mass mandate and the tweet replying to cryptocurrency enthusiasts included a photo of Hitler with the phrase, stop comparing me. The There's a picture of Hitler. This, this, this tweet came and, and Elon Musk sent it out comparing me to the, the, the photo of Hitler with the phrase, stop comparing me to Justin Trudeau. I had a budget. And I guess that budget was a reference to the industrialized murder of millions of people by the German regime in extermination camps. I mean, he's since taken it down, um, but uh, this has happened since Prime Minister Trudeau invoked Canada's emergency acts, which gives Canadian government the power to freeze bank accounts of people supporting the blockades without a court order. Uh, yeah, Adolf Hitler. Nice, nice, nice job, uh, Elon Musk. One of these days, this guy's going to say something and he's going to get thrown out of his company. It's just he's too much of a loose cannon. And oh, guess what? Tesla's also another brand down. Tesla plunged seven spots in its annual consumer reports ranking. Tesla Model 3, which had been a top pick among EV models, lost that distinction to the Ford Mustang. Tesla plunged seven spots to number 23 overall ranking of best car brands. And that was due to a bunch of things. Uh, recently debuted the updated version of, of some of those models. Uh, a huge brand down for Facebook, which is now called Meta, uh, Meta stock market wipeout is unmatched in the mega cap era. Um, basically, shares are coming off the lowest close since May 2020, and they're down more than 45% since September. So the company's lost almost half its market cap or market value in the last uh, four months. It's unmatched among big U.S. techs in these recent years. Um, and a lot of people think it's for a lot of reasons that the audience is aging, a uh, whole host of reasons, but certainly not good for Facebook and for Mark Zuckerberg. Along those lines, brand down, continue brand down. He wants to call, CEO Mark Zuckerberg wants his employees to call each other metamites, metamates. The new moniker is sparking widespread mockery both inside and out of the company. Metamites will replace Facebookers after the Silicon Valley-based owner of Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp rebranded. Um, now it's the right time to re-update our values and cultural operating system. Yes, call everybody Metamate. That's what I want to be. I, I want to have my identity called a Metamate. Uh, brand down for the Winter Olympics. Uh, look, a lot of reasons why. It's in Beijing, obviously, a lot of uh, uh, human issue, human rights issues there. There was a, tw whatever, a 12-hour huge time difference between uh, here and there. Uh, 
TV ratings were down 45%. It just never climbed into the culture this time around. And what did climb into the culture was um, basically a lot of the doping scandals. And you didn't have any, you know, what makes Olympics are human stories and people. And you didn't have uh, the, what I'll call the, you know, the great human interest stories coming out of that. Now, NBC is ponying up a lot for the next uh, three or four or five Olympics, uh, something like $7 billion. So, Hopefully, this is not a trend for them. Obviously, it's coming in 2028 to LA. That'll be a big deal. Um, but certainly, brand down this year for the Olympics. Brand down for Major League Baseball. They canceled spring training, putting opening day in jeopardy uh, because of their negotiations over the new collective bargaining agreement. Look, baseball has its challenges to begin with. You know, you're coming off such an amazing football season, particularly with those playoffs, ratings up, football more than ever, you know, establishing itself as America's game and basketball as hot as ever. Uh, a lot of incredible young superstars in basketball making it exciting, yet you still have LeBron and, and the old guard there. Um, and you got a lot of teams that can win. So there's a lot of exciting basketball. And baseball can't afford a black guy. Uh, they better, better get their shit together here. Brand up for LeBron James and his son, Bronny. If you follow basketball, you know LeBron's James' son has been a prospect since he's old enough to dribble a basketball. I think he's the 30th, the 32nd rated player in a graduating class of 2023. So it'll be a guy who will definitely be a, a great college player. It doesn't mean he's going to be a, a make it to the pros. That's so a TBD. But LeBron says he intends to play his final season with his son, Bronny. Uh, that would be two at least two years from now because Bronny's got another, This he's got finished this year, then he's got another year of college, I mean, another year of high school. Now, if he jumps straight to the NBA, look, I guess a team would take him just based on you get LeBron with him for that alone. Uh, I wouldn't want to see it that way for the young man. That's just kind of puts him in an unfair position, but that's what LeBron James and Bronny had said. Brand that for Vanity Fair, their cover of Nicole Kidman, their Hollywood issue has been incredibly um, airbrushed and to the point where her face does, a lot of people saying doesn't look like her, her body is. And, you know, we have a problem with all of this stuff, with all of this, uh, we, we see it, this photoshopping with uh, airbrush, that's an old term, photoshopping, uh, with so many people on, in, on social media uh, who just, they can't put out their own images of what they really look like and everybody is changing their body, changing their face. And I don't know, you wish the big publications did do. Obviously with celebrities, they're going to make them look as beautiful or as handsome as possible, but this one seemed to go a little too far. Brand down for Kendall Jenner's tequila. Kendall Jenner tequila brand accused of blatantly copying Tequila 512 in a lawsuit. Um, the, the Kardashians, and particularly Kendall, launched Tequila 818, which uses the 818 area code of uh, Los Angeles. And there's also Tequila 512, which uses the Austin area code. There's a lot of similarities, immediately recognizable. Mark in black, the, the lettering in black inside a vertical yellow rectangle. Um, I, I I don't know what the law is on that. Uh but, you know, it could be a problem for them. I mean, I think that, I think that tequila is doing really, really well. Look, when you have a product and you can launch on collectively, I guess if you add up all of their Instagrams, it's close to a billion, I guess. Each one of them has a couple hundred million. Uh, you're going to sell anything you want. So there you go. And a brand up, yay, for avocados. Uh, it lift, United States lift Mexican avocado ban, averting what could have been a costly crisis. Um, they were worrying about a potential shortage of staple in diets of Americans. Seemed to the import ban stem from purported threats to a U.S. inspector in Mexico, but it's back on, so everybody can still have their guac and chips. 
And I brand up for the Whopper. Burger King CEO on the Whopper. We want to reclaim the flame. I love that. Um, they basically want to uh, jumpstart Burger King sales in 2022 by executing a new plan that to bring back the Whopper brand into its former glory. Um, the same store sales rose only eight one rose only 1.8 percent in the fourth quarter, trailing a seven and a half percent gain by McDonald's. They want to do a re you know a rebrand or, or a re-energy not a rebrand a re-energization of the Whopper. You know it's very interesting. I've watched Burger King as a marketing company for 30, 40 years because they were always changing agencies. And there's always this dilemma. You make it too much about the Whopper and then, you know, we're too much about heavy and we got to push salads more. We got to push the chicken stuff more and the non-meat stuff more. And then they do that and then they go, oh, but we're getting away from our brand essence. So we got to go back to our brand. And they keep doing this yo-yo back and forth between we stand for the Whopper versus we stand for X, Y, and Z. So it'll be interesting to see, but I'm a big Whopper fan. Brand now for family dollar stores. They closed 400 stores, recall products after the FDA warns decaying dead rodents in warehouse. Not a good thing. You never want decaying dead rodents in warehouses. And finally, airline subscriptions. Netflix for flying. Alaska Airlines is taking a flyer on a subscription service, joining the recurring payments thanks to Netflix, Amazon, and Peloton. Subscription options include six, 12, or 24 round trips flights annually to and from 13 destinations. So subscription airline flying, why not? Makes sense to me. And those are our brands of the week. Now let's get to our interview with Steve Sharipper. You're going to really enjoy this one. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the great Steve Sharipper. I want to talk to you about Miz in the Main. And I'm a guy that loves, I like fashion and comfort. I like my stuff to look good. But I, I remember when I used to all the time have to wear college shirts to work and they never fit right. And they, they one day they get wrinkled and, and, um, this is why you got to check out uh, Mizzen and Main. Mizzen and Main, what makes them unique, it combines the comfort and flexibility of your favorite athletic wear with the fit and style of a custom dress shirt. Lightweight, breathable, and moisture wicking, Mizzen and Main's clothing will have you looking great. So it's basically, you know the way you love to wear your athleisure wear? It's like the, those materials, but in dress shirts and sports shirts and, and casual shirts. You skip the dry cleaner. They are machine washable, uh, on a hot, the, the, the idea came from the, the owner of the company in a hot day in Washington. The founder saw a guy running up the hill in a sweat-soaked, wrinkled dress shirt and thought there had to be a better way. And since then, they've set out to change that and make it better. Um, they've gotten famous for their dress shirts, but Mizzen and Main now makes incredibly comfortable flannels, no-talk shirts, performance polos, chinos, so much more. They've gotten over 30,000 five-star reviews. Um, I've, I've tried a few of them. The product is great. It really, really is. It's comfortable. It looks good. Um, so whether you're working from the golf course or taking conference calls in the courtyard, we've got good news right now. If you go to mizzenandmain.com and use the promo code Donnie, you receive 35 bucks off any regular price order of $125 or more. That's $35 off when you go to M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com and use our promo code Donnie. Okay, I want to talk to you about Huel. First of all, I love the name, Huel, Fuel, it's Huel, and you'll see what the takeoff on it is. It's it's one of, one of my favorite nutritionally uh, complete foods. Every Hue meal contains the 27 essential vitamins and minerals, protein, healthy fats, and fiber I need in a single meal. And right now, their mac and cheese happens to be my favorite. So these are meals that are incredibly healthy. They give you energy. They give you your proteins, all the stuff you need. Um, it basically gives you 27 essential vitamins and minerals and only 400 calories per serving. That's the mac and cheese. Uh, you're getting more protein than four eggs, all the vitamin C of an orange, more calcium than a yogurt, more potassium than a, in, than a banana in one bowl of Huel mac and cheese. It only takes five minutes to make for your lunch. You just add water, 
You can make it in a free on-the-go pot they give you with your first order. You can do it wherever. It's like they've made super healthy fast food. Everyone needs Hewlett Mac and cheese in their life. It's also got a range of meals, flavors like Mexican chili and Thai green curry. Um, They've got so much great stuff. I I love how easy it is. I've gotten Hewlett into my routine. So if you're looking for great on-the-go food that you can just, you know, make really quickly, you know, minimal caloric intake with great vitamin stuff and great taste, you want Huel. Uh, I'm partnering with Huel to give all my listeners a free T-shirt, a free on-the-go pot, and free shipping with your first order. Go to Huel.com slash Don and you take advantage of this offer. Supporting my sponsors helps me make this show for you. So show Huel some love. Claim your free T-shirt, free on-the-go pot, and free shipping with your first order at Huel.com slash Donnie. Huel.com slash Donnie. You're going to like this stuff. Check it out. So I'm thrilled with today's guest, Mr. Stephen Sharippa. Uh... Best known Bobby Bacala on The Sopranos. Uh, got just major, major podcasts with one of his co-stars, Michael Porrelli, uh, called Talk to Sopranos, which breaks down every 86 episode and every frame. And if you're a Sopranos guy, it's a must listen. They've got a book out. Uh, he's, the book's out entitled Woke Up This Morning, Definable History of the Sopranos, which was released last month. He's got other books, the Goomba series, The Goomba Guide to Life, The Goomba's Book of Love, The Goomba Diet. Uh, Big Daddy's Rules, Raising Daughters is Tougher Than I Look, and I want to talk to him about that. The Nikki Deuce series, which turned into a Nickelodeon series. Um, and he's a man of the people. He is a quintessential New- If you're going to list like 20 New Yorkers, Steve Shrepp <laughs> is one of them. Welcome, my friend. Hey, Donnie, good to see you again. So you, you've been a busy... It, it is amazing how your life has just kind of morphed and moved and evolved but I find it just interesting, your beginnings, how you just were kind of a Vegas maitre d' entertainment director, and then somehow end up kind of a big TV star. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. You know, like I said, I, you know, I had moved to Vegas, graduated college, moved to Vegas, worked as a bouncer, Paul Anker's club, I, a bunch of different clubs. In the old days in Vegas, they didn't have nightclubs in the casinos. You know, they were separate. They were separate, yeah. That didn't happen until like 1990. I moved to Vegas to 79, 80, right around there. Yeah. So then I, I made my way into the hotel, which was hard back then, making that jump. And I was a maitre d' and I ran these small showrooms and I was making making a lot of money, doing well finally. Uh, and uh, one of the comics, I was starting to work with a lot of comics, said, hey, you know, I'm filming this little piece. Would you come out to do it? I thought it might be fun. I never saw a script, never had any intention of doing anything like that. And uh, I went out, and I i know it sounds like a cliche, but I kind of got the bug. I went, wow, this is fun. Yeah. I was kind of like a little high from it. I took the, I had flown out, took the plane in, okay, back to Vegas, and then the casting person saw me and gave me another one. They were little short five-minute films for a show called Sunday Sunday com- Sunday Night Comics. It was on Fox. Right. So I, I did a bunch of those. And then I kind of tried pursuing a little bit, you know. Uh, you know, people I knew, a couple bit parts here, bit parts there, a couple lines, you know. And I, 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 you know, I just started getting more. The more I tried, the more I was getting. But it was small stuff. So obviously, as you go up, the stakes get higher. Yeah, I love the fact that you had a cameo in probably like a really memorable scene in Casino where 
Joe Pesci takes a pen and just fucking stabs a guy in the eye. I mean, it's yeah, really yeah, difficult yeah. to watch. And you're sitting at the bar there. How did that come about? Sitting at the bar, you could you got to turn your volume up real high, <laughs> put it on slow motion, uh, and uh, that's how I got my sad card. Uh, you know, Pesci was very nice. He helped me, and and the late Frank Vincent, they helped me. Uh, so I got my sad card, and then I. You know, which means nothing. You know, people think, oh, you got the sad card. Like, yeah. You go around showing it around <laughs> like you're going to get lost. Like, it means absolutely nothing. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, then I didn't do anything for a while. And then I started dabbling again. And I kind of got the bug, you know. And I was going into L.A. Luckily, I, I had a good job. I was an executive there. So I could come and go as I please, basically. Right, right. And uh, I would go into L.A. for the day, for the morning drive in, fly in, audition, and uh, I started getting some stuff. So I came to New York for a wedding, and I there was an agent helping me, and I said, hey, see if you can get me to read for this show I'm hearing so much about. And it was the second season they were gearing up for. Just perfect timing. Yeah. The wedding was right when they were casting this thing. You know, a week before, a week later, yeah, it's interesting. It doesn't, it you know, we're not here talking, you know. Uh, so, you know, I auditioned. I uh, uh, She said to me, you know, if I could get you in front of David, would you come back? And I didn't even know who David well, was. Well, first you interviewed for an F, as an FBI agent. Yeah. I read for the role of Skip Lapari. She said it was uh, Christopher Walken's wife, George Ann. was right. casting. I was a little nervous. I was up on 50th and Broadway. And uh, she said, what are you nervous for? It's just me and you. There was no one else in the office yeah. at all. She says, it's just me and you. So I that calmed me down. And uh, she said, I don't see you as this. Read this guy. We have someone in mind. And I, I read the role of Bacala. She said, that's pretty good. If I could get you in front of David, would you come back? I said, yeah, I guess so. David she said, I just want to tell you, there's, uh, it's scale. We don't put you up. We don't fly you. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> I said, all right, well, let's hope we have that problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and so the following week, and I wasn't going to do it. I said, I'm going to spend this money. I'm going to fly out, put myself in a hotel, cars. And uh, my wife encouraged me. She said, go, go. That's the only reason. You're only happy you're doing this. You're happy. You're working so hard. So, you know, uh, I flew out and I auditioned. And the next day they called me and I got it. That's crazy. And then my agent, the guy that was helping me, told me not to take it. <laughs> I hope it's an ex-agent. <laughs> it's an ex-agent. Yeah, he said, don't take it. Don't take it. Don't take it. They're not going to fly. You're not gonna, not, I would not take it. Yeah, because all he thought about was just like zero commission. So that was... <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot here. And so that first year, I flew myself out. Cost me like twenty four grand. You were only in I, like you were only a handful of episodes that first year. It was in six episodes. Yeah, uh, but they would call me at the last minute, so I had to grab a plane. Yeah, so it cost me like twenty four grand to make twenty two grand. But I wasn't doing it for the money. I was looking to you know make a move. Sure, you know? sure. Got invested in myself. So, uh, and then I there's nothing I wanted more when it was over to be a series regular, which luckily the following year happened. So, and then I moved my family back to New York. So it was one of those things, the stars were kind of aligned, you know? Yeah, The Sopranos, to, you know, to me, is the best show of all time. I mean, Rolling Stone called it the best show of all time. I, I mean, it, it 
it set the mark for so much television to follow. Um, your podcast takes kind of what you and Michael go through kind of every scene and every show and whatnot. Um, what, as you look back now, and you you just you speak so highly of Jimmy Galdolfini and the cat, where it it seemed like just as every, as every interview I've always listened to that it just there was beyond the, the craft of it, there was a special thing going on with with this cast and this crew and everything. And there was there was kind of magic in the air, which showed up, which ended up showing up on the film. Yeah, you know, I, I always say it. I don't know if David Chase you know, consciously or subconsciously, you know, put this group of people together, you know. It was mostly all of us come from the same background, almost all Italian or part Italian, uh, Italian-American, you know, a blue collar, you know, mostly everyone from back east, New Jersey, Queens, the Bronx, Mount Vernon, New Rochelle, Brooklyn, you know, yeah. people were from here. They weren't Hollywood actors trying to act like gangsters. There's nothing worse than that, yeah. you know? <laughs> you know, you could pick it up immediately, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I think that transferred over on camera because we really were like a family. It was 10 years together. So you go through everything a family goes through, marriages, divorces, that's unfortunately, right, right. Uh, you know, kids being born. And and we did a lot. You know, we hung around together a lot, which doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. You know, you work with someone. So, and then you go home. Yeah. You're yeah. friends with them. You're cordial. See you see Monday. Yeah. But we were, like, going places, hanging out, doing appearances, traveling together. And I think you could see that. You know, like Michael Imperioli always says, it was kind of like, going down to the corner, hanging out with your friends, you know, yeah. when you went to work, it was like, you look forward to it, you know? And I think that's kind of the genius of David Chase. Uh, uh, you know, Jim was a complicated guy, was a great guy, a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of laughs, not without problems, which have been documented, sure. you know, uh, a generous guy, not just monetarily, but, uh, you know, as an actor, wanted to make sure you were okay. It was always looking out for you. Are you okay? Yeah. You want another take? Are you happy? And then, of course, I talked about, uh, you know, he gave us all $33,000 yeah. each, and he paid off. We found out after he passed away, he paid off people's mortgages. He had uh, given people money, showed up at people's funerals that he didn't know. Yeah. A request from the family. You know, he was... And generous that way, in some weird way, he didn't think he deserved the fame and fortune, which is why he never did interviews. And he was a little embarrassed by the attention, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, But, I mean, everyone will say the same thing about him. When it came to that, he was very, very, you know, he cared about you, you know. Okay, I want to talk to you about Mint Mobile. And if spending less is one of your top goals for this year, you want to go to Mint Mobile. Switching to Mint Mobile, think about how much money you spend every month for wireless. Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save you money this year on anything. It's the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. It makes you maximize your savings with plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. Think about how much money you could save with, with a plan like from Mint. It's staggering. You don't, I mean, you, you got to check it out at least. 
Look, looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless, as I said, just 15 bucks a month. You go online and you eliminate the traditional cost of retail, passes the savings to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Uh, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, keep the same phone number. You choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data you never use. Just starting at 15 bucks a month to get your new wireless plan for 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash Donnie. That's mintmobile.com slash Donnie. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Donnie. If you have any wireless and we all have it, go check out Mint because you can save a lot of money. The, the, um, the Bacala character, what I was fascinated reading about is like, they didn't give you an arc. They didn't tell you, okay, he's this, do this, understand this. He's got a sensitive side. It was just, you just form the character. I mean, that that's, what's surprising was a guy like Chase, who seemed to be such a micromanager and a, that he would just, you, you were a major character. You were one of the lead characters. And it just like, you, you, you form the character. Not one word, ever. Not who this guy was. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you'll, whether you're doing a movie or even a TV show, they'll, you know, take you off to the side. So listen, we're thinking this guy's blah, 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 blah. But even when you go into audition, yeah, sure. you know, you say, uh, you know, you're talking to them, they'll say, all right. So, you know, we're thinking this guy is like a blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, da, da, da. He's a nicer guy. And yeah. Nothing ever, not a word, barely you barely, you know, once in a blue moon, they say that was good stuff. You barely got a pat on the back. Right. You, you were a pro. You were expected to do your job. You know, no one was going to tell you how great you were doing. Right. Uh, you knew if you weren't, believe me, you know, that you know. Uh, and, you know, it was on the page kind of. The writing was so great. And I just kind of, you know, I saw this guy as a very loyal, not the brightest guy. Uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't that smart, uh, not that confident. His father, it says somewhere early on, his father had taken care of uncle junior and then he kind of inherited the job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as the time goes on, he becomes a little stronger, a little more confident. He marries the boss's sister. Maybe he wasn't as stupid as we all thought, (laughs) you know? He's had Sunday dinner to the right of the boss. Right. And he works his way up the ladder. But no, never one time did anyone say anything. It's amazing. Never. One scene that I, I'm really curious about, and it was it was when you and Tony, at the, you were up at a vacation home, you guys get into a real physical altercation. Now, both, neither of you are little dudes. That must have been an interesting thing to choreograph, to work through. Uh, I mean, you kind of kicked his ass, but that, that that was interesting. Well, you know, we had gone up to the lake house in July. It was the beginning of the last nine episodes. I call it season seven. For contract reasons, HBO calls it season six. Yeah. You, know? you know how that goes. Uh, so it was the only time that we rehearsed. I got called in about a week before, and the four of us, myself, Edie, Aida Totoro, and Jim, we rehearsed with David at Silver Cup. It's the only time that I remember that that ever happened. Wow. And, you know, we asked questions, and we talked about that scene and what was happening, because it was obviously the beginning of the end, 
It was very important, you know. And so we went upstate uh, and we shot all those scenes. And then it was time to do the fight scene. Jim came and he said, you know, my knees are bad. I got operated on in the off season. I, I, I can't do this. He said, uh, it's not going to come out right. I, uh, my, my legs aren't strong. Six months later, they build that cabin, that cabin on a set at Silver Cup at the cost of $250,000. Wow. That when I went in there, it was eerie. It was like I'm back in the cabin on the yeah. lake. Yeah. You know, and that cabin was owned by Roy Scheidner. The Jaws guy. Uh, right, the, right, right. Jaws. His ex wife got it in the divorce. Wow. She rented it out. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. So we're in this, you know, so we're in the in the cabin uh, now, you know, it's on the stage and it's in January. It's six months later. And, you know, Jim says, listen, let's make this look as real as possible. You know, uh, you know, we, we were very close friends. He said, let's go as far as we could go. He said, do whatever you have to do to me. And so we were pulling hair choking uh you know uh, i mean he's much stronger than me jim his hands were really big he was choking me at one point and so we tried you know only i think only good friends can do that also yeah. it was choreographed like you know two out of shape guys fighting this yeah. wasn't a yeah even small thing yeah. you know like yeah. just how a real fight happens and uh i think it looked great we did 90 8% of the stunts, it was just us. Yeah. We did it ourselves, you know. Very cool. The other thing that jumps out, probably probably the one of the two or three most kind of uh, heralded episodes of Pine Barrens, where you show up in a in a kind of a goofy hunting outfit. You guys are looking <laughs> you guys are looking for uh Tony and Michael, and uh he asked for your help, and you show up in this like this garb with the hat and the this and and in and the, Elma Fudd, Elma Fudd. Like Elma Fudd. In the scene, he's got to laugh, but he had seen you the night before and he had already laughed. And so you're saying to yourself, how am I going to get him to really laugh this time? So pick up the story. We had been we had been upstate. You know, first of all, it, was, it wasn't it was in the Pine Barrens, which is in New Jersey, because some New Jersey politician uh, wouldn't give us the permit to shoot there. He said that Sopranos made Italians look bad oh, and Jesus New Jersey. Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, it, 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 Sopranos kind of put New Jersey yeah, on the map. Absolutely. You know, and uh, and then that guy got convicted of fraud and tax evasion and went to jail. Okay, True story. All right. All right. I love it. All right. So, uh, you know, we, were, we shot it upstate near West Point, and we were up there for like four days. And uh, Jim says, hey, I don't know how you're going to make me laugh tomorrow because, you know, we shot out a sequence. He had seen the Elmer Fudd outfit. So I go, Buscemi was directing it, Steve Buscemi. I go to the prop guy and I go, you got something for me, man? Do you got something that I could make this guy laugh? I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't tell Buscemi. I didn't tell anybody. Right. And the guy... The prop guy pulls out like a bunch of dildos. <laughs> as, prop, as prop guys would often have a bunch of dildos. Why not? Right. Not one or two. Right. I mean, like a fucking wall of dildos. 
I don't know. And so I picked out a few. And when I turned the corner, you know, the camera's on Jim. He's got the bottle. And I'm twirling this big, giant, three-foot dildo around. And that's what you see him laughing. <laughs> He's got the bottle of Jack Daniels. And he laughs because I look ridiculous. I got the hunting outfit. What? I got the mittens. <laughs> and I got a three-foot dildo that looks like an Italian bread. Now, if you look closely, Dominic Kianese, Uncle Junior, he almost cracked. Right. He almost cracks, but he doesn't. He stays the character because he didn't know. No one That's great. That's great. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Buscemi, and, and one of the interesting things is the kind of the, there were a bunch of unknowns, but then they would kind of bring in a lot more seasoned guys over the years, you know, uh, uh, Robert Loggia, uh, Buscemi, um, uh, I'm forgetting somebody, Frank Vincent, uh, you know, guys would, it would, they would kind of weave them into the, the story, uh, to, uh, Joe Pant, how do I say Joe's last name? Uh, Joey Pants. Joey, Joey Pants, you know, uh, and that was just kind of an interesting part of the arc. Yeah, you know, uh, well, listen, the only person that was well-known, though they were all working actors, the only person that was well-known at the beginning was Lorraine Bracco. Right. Uh, she was the only person. Who I, who I, in re doing my research for you, they originally wanted her to play uh, Edie Falco's part. She said, yeah. no, I've already done a mob boss wife. I, I don't want to do that. She didn't want to do that. There was a lot of that, you know, yeah. uh, a Paulie Walnuts, I mean, Tony Sirico read for Uncle Junior. Yeah. Uncle Junior read for Big Pussy. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Stiller actually got the hash, job. Hash, hash, right, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Uh, the the girl that, her name's Tony Killam, she wrote a few episodes and she was Big Pussy's wife. She came down to the wire for Carmela also. Right. You know, and then, of course, Tony Soprano could have been Stevie Van Zandt or the actor Michael Rispoli. Yeah, Stevie's done the show, and I was shocked to hear that he was actually considered for that. That oh, was yeah. that was interesting because this guy had no acting experience, and, and oh, more than considered, more yeah. than considered, yeah, Could have possibly gotten the job. The yeah. HBO didn't want him, but I mean, I think David wanted him actually at that point. I think David wanted him, and then HBO, you know, just figured, you know, a guy with not that much experience, you know, could he sustain, you know to go on for five, six, seven years. But I got to tell you this. I didn't watch the show for 20 years. You know what I mean? And when I started the podcast, I went back and watched it. Stevie Van Zandt Silvio is a great, great, great character. Yeah, yeah. A great underrated character. And when I watched it again, how great he was and how very much he played it. And I just, I really love what he did with that. So I think everything... Worked out the way it was supposed to work out. The way it's supposed to, and I, I can't imagine anyone else, uh, in the in the roles like uh, the Joey Pants character. Yeah. I think at one point Bruno Kirby. You remember Bruno? Sure, Kirby? sure. He passed away. Yeah. Bruno Kirby was uh, uh, considered. I think uh, at one point Chaz Palminteri was in the mix for Tony right. Soprano. Right. I, you know. Well, HBO uh, didn't want. They didn't want. Uh, Gandolfini because he wasn't good looking. He wasn't. He wasn't going to be believable. They really fought hard, and and Chase made that happen. Obviously, well, they wanted Anthony Lapaglia, right? You know, which, yeah. you know your movie star kind sure. of sure, yeah, guy, right? I mean, here was this overweight, balding guy, and that's what kind of changed TV from there. Yeah, the antihero was born. Didn't I mean, see much of that. Yeah, yeah, didn't see much of that until that point, which shows you how ridiculous it is because people look like they look. Yeah. 
You know, I, I we were talking off camera and I, I, like a lot of people, this is what's made the podcast so successful because a whole new generation is watching. I watched all 86 episodes again. And as true with any great art, you see new things. It was as much as I kind of remembered everything I did. It was like I was watching it for the first time again. And just as an artist, talk to me why why that is with The Sopranos. What, what, what is it that gives it that quality? You know, you know, it's it's kind of so layered, like, right? So here, I asked David Chase this. Tony, there's nothing happens by accident. That's why. You know what I mean? If a guy is eating Fig Newtons, like in the car, there was a private investigator, sure. there's a reason he's eating the Fig Newtons. That right. David, right? And it's not just this. Okay. Tony Soprano comes downstairs. It's in the morning. He comes downstairs. He opens up the kitchen door. Hey, where's the cannolis from last night? Ba, ba, ba. Then they get into the conversation. Another show, they would've, he would have came down and go right into the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like real life. Yeah. Where's those fucking cannolis? I had my wife <laughs> on the cannolis. You know? Yeah. Where's the cannolis? Okay, now let's get into that. And there's so much. And the more I watched it again and watched it again, you know, I watched it three more times. I watched it twice for the podcast, and once for the book. So, you know, I had to watch it and watch it and watch it. So there's all these kind of things. In the last episode, Tony, they move out of the safe house back into the Soprano house after the New York War. Tony has got a suitcase in his right hand and a canned ham right. his left hand. <laughs> you go, like, why? Right? Just because. It's incredible. And it's not just shit by accident. This is what makes, you know, like, you know, that soprano form. It's not, there's little things, little, little, tiny. They're funny. They're not funny. The, the, the show is very humorous. It's tragic. It's violent. It's a, you know it's everything. Your um uh it or your ending, and the ending of the show. You you lasted till one episode before, and you you talk about how you you know when you ever get the script, you always read. Okay, where's where am I, and and do I get killed? Because that's every actor's nightmare. And you were very kind of satisfied with how Bobby met his demise. Yeah, because it really was. You know, honestly, I mean, it was. Uh, you know you. I never relaxed, you know, Donnie. I mean, I never did, you know, yeah. because obviously the more your character got to do, the more the audience was invested in that guy. Sure, of course. Right? And then a better shot that you're going to go. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't kill someone. Like they're going, who was that guy? Who did yeah. they kill? Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, it's a, right. Right? Now, he's kill killing off major characters. Yeah. But probably the first time. I mean, Big Pussy gets it. Second it episode, yeah, part. yeah. It was, and that was the second, third season or whatever. That was, that was early on. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're not killing people from Friends or Seinfeld. Right. George <laughs> in. He wasn't worried about getting whacked the next week. <laughs> you know. So, you know, you really didn't. You know, so you're on this great show, but there's always that. Oh fuck! I hope they don't kill me, man. You yeah. Know? And. I was I was concerned, very concerned, that I didn't buy an apartment till the show was over here, because I was always worried they're going to kill me. Then I just 
get my wife and kids and we'll go back to Las Vegas. You right. know, that was my thinking because I didn't know what happens next. And but once I made it to that final nine, you go, hey, okay. I'm here, yeah. Yeah. Wherever the chips fall, you know, you got paid for it. But it wasn't just that. You were no longer gonna go work with these people sure. and see them. You know, Vinnie Pastor, we talked to at length. I mean, he was devastated. Sure, of course. Not just the money. No, but, but to not be a part of you know, this, sure. You know, the first, they weren't paying yeah. at the beginning. So he didn't make much money. And then they kill him off. And he said he couldn't even watch the show. Yeah. You know, he was devastated. Yeah. And he wound up doing just fine, you know, but it hurt, you know, yeah. it hurt. And the ending of the show, which which I took as Tony gets whacked, and Chase was always very kind of coy about it. But then he kind of slipped in a recent interview where he talked about, well, I originally had Tony's death. I thought about it this way, which kind of led people to infer, oh, he did he get did. He didn't go the but distance. He, did. he didn't go all the way, you know? He never said what he thought. Now, so what's your interpretation? I, I like to think Tony Soprano is alive and well. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe it's just what I want. Yeah. Uh, I see things that could measure, that, that, that look like, and I understand why he could be dead. You know, uh, I'm going to choose that he's alive and well and living in New Jersey. You know, when you watch the final episode, right? Okay, Meadows parking the car, the tension's building. He's with his son. Now, he's looking not at the front door. Right. He's looking at the bathroom. Then you see him look up. I mean, he's not terrified. Right. But looking up. You know, that was something I noticed. He wasn't looking at the front. Now, uh, Michael Imperioli said if they were going to kill him, because he's flip-flop, yeah. Michael. No one knows more about the show than Michael. Right. You know, he's brilliant, right? Uh, first he said he thought he was dead. Then he thought he was alive. Then he flipped. And now he said, you know, if they were going to kill him, they would just come right in and kill him. They wouldn't go to the bathroom and they wouldn't wait at the counter and be seen. So, yeah, you know, Stevie Van Zandt, when we asked him, he said, I'll tell you what happened. The director yelled, cut, and we went home. Oh. <laughs> Very noncommittal. Uh, a couple of actors think he's alive. Uh, most think he's dead. Right. Uh, I'm going to choose to say he's alive with his family and it's business as usual. So speaking of business as usual, what's you, you're winding down the podcast. The book is out, Selling Like Gang Fire. What's coming up for Mr. Sharipa? Well, I've been on Blue Blood since 2000. last four years. Yeah. How's that going? Oh, no, the last seven years. Seven years. I thought it was two, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I'm in 2015. Sure. That's, I'm like thinking so I'm still doing well, I've been on that. This is my seventh season. It's a great show. We yeah. shoot here in New York. Uh, ratings are better than ever. Friday nights, 10 o'clock. It's, it's amazing those procedures. Like the, there's, there's a CBS has got a formula, man, and that shit just works. And it's, it's, a, Tom, it's a great gig. And, and Tom Selleck is just, is where I actually, we eat in the same diner all the time. Really good guy. I always bump into him and we chat. I mean, so nice he's just a guy that is just a TV icon. There are certain these guys, Mark Carmen. There are these just TV guys that the TV audience grew up with, loves, and you put them in a series and, and, and that's it. But 
They love him. You know, Donnie Wahlberg's great. Bridget Moynihan's great. I work with her mostly. Uh, it's a really good gig. I couldn't ask for anything more. You know, uh, uh, you know, the show kind of just came out of nowhere. I, they signed me on one, maybe two. I've done over 100. That's great. That's great. So it's been a really good gig. And you know what? After, in the last year and a half, Donnie, I've never worked so hard. I was very lucky. We started the podcast, you know, during the pandemic. And uh, between that, the book, Shooting Blue Bloods, because we were shooting during the pandemic, yeah. it was very difficult, a lot, a lot of work. And we have a live show that we do. Yeah. You know, we do a comedy and conversation with The Sopranos. We've gone to Australia, seven cities. We, we're we going to be in Staten Island uh, February 12th. We're upstate New York. We're in Canada. It's me, myself, Michael Imperioli, and a moderator. And... It's kind of like the podcast yeah. live. I love that. And uh, we answer questions, and it's a lot of fun. I'm gonna People come see. You. I'm gonna come see you guys in Staten Island, okay? Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun. It's our only New York appearance. You know, we've done. We were just in Detroit. We were in Mesa, Arizona, a Borgata, and it's a, a live show. You know, ask a soprano a question, and we tell all our stories. You know, uh, you know, Michael's got a great story uh, where where they throw Joey, you know, Ralphie's body off a cliff. Right. So they had a, you know, they went and it was light out and they set up the shot and then they had to set up all the lights and they were in the woods and uh, they had a couple of hours to kill. So Jim said, let's go back to my trailer. And he had a bottle of wild turkey and him and Michael finished the bottle of wild turkey. <laughs> and they came out and they're literally staggering. They had no lines. So right. They didn't care, but now it's dark. Lights are set up, and they got to throw whatever in this stuff, you know, in this fucking soup bag. Right. And they were so worried about them, they chained their legs to the trees. <laughs> so they wouldn't fall over. And they cover it with leaves. <laughs> so they wouldn't fall over the cliff. True story. I love it. Hey, Steve, you're the man. I appreciate I'm so I'm so happy for all your success. I like when the good guys win. Oh, thank you, man. I really, good, good seeing you, good talking to you. I'll catch you at the garden. You got it, my brother. Stay well. Thank you, Don. Thanks for listening to Our Brand. I hope you interview. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Steve Sharipper and Our Brands of the Week. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Spotify, Apple, any place. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and or subscribe. And you can catch our videos on YouTube. Uh, and please uh, subscribe there also and leave your comments. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next time on Our Brands. Stay safe. Hi, this is Jim Jeffries. I have a podcast out called I Don't Know About That. Each episode is a different subject. We bring an expert on and I say everything I think I know about that subject and then they correct me. Join in, listen to the podcast, you'll have a laugh and you might learn something. Follow, rate and review I Don't Know About That with Jim Jeffries. Now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. You can also catch video releases each week on YouTube.